Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. And if you're coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Uh, before I get to any details, I would like to welcome back my guest, legendary cinematographer <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, himself and gaffer and Anything they could think of, he'll do it. Uh, Oscar Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> you pronounced it wrong. It's actually Greg Frazier, but you <laughs> said it wrong. No, yeah. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. I'm yeah. excited to talk about The Batman. It's one of my favorite movies of 2022 for sure. So, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's We've been anticipating this moment mainly because it's such a long movie that we've been holding off on it yeah, but but we did it so today we are again continuing our greg fraser series with the 2022 superhero film the batman so it's not to confuse with batman the michael keaton one or batman the tv show it's the batman right just <laughs> so so much creativity of that <laughs> did you hear what they're calling the next batman movie yeah i found out when i was yeah. researching it. it it's the batman part two so not to confuse that there's already part one <laughs> there's there's all these names like it's like the iphone now it's like next thing you know they're gonna call batman like batman pro max or something like <laughs> that like, but yeah yeah Anywho. or like or like se like oh you the want you want like the regular one, but you want like the pro. Okay, well, there's another movie. Exactly. <laughs> that we'll be making the SE version, and, and Max Greg, Max, Greg Frazier will be making the pro version. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So the movie is directed by Matt Reeves and written by Reeves himself and Peter Craig. Uh, so the logline is two years fighting crime in Gotham City. Batman uncovers corruption while pursuing the Riddler, a serial killer who targets the city's corrupt elite. So I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, The Credits, Screen Rant, uh, IndieWire, and No Film School. And I'll go over the cast real quick. So we've got Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. the Batman. He's been in Twilight, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Tenet, The Lighthouse, the devil of the devil all the time you know he's a really colored actor for sure he's he's got a lot of range mm -hmm. and then we got zoe kravitz as selena kyle aka catwoman uh she's from big little lies the tv show she's in the fantastic b series she's from the divergent series and high fidelity that the tv show nepo baby just kidding <laughs> just kidding <laughs> just kidding and then there's Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant James Gordon, also kills it. He's from he's in the Daniel Craig 007 series. He's from Game Night and Boardwalk Empire, which is a really cool TV show. Yeah. Um, have you seen it? I've, I've no. seen some episodes. Yeah. I've only seen a couple of them, but all I know is it's kind of like pre Peaky Blinders situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right. 
Yeah. Exactly. And I think we watched it in school because Scorsese shot like the first episode or something like that. So Oh. I was like, oh, okay, let's see. Let's check this out. <laughs> Continuing on with our cast, we have Colin Farrell as Oz, uh, a.k.a. the Penguin. He, obviously, we know him from the from Widows, True Detective, Fantastic Beast series, The Killing of Sacred Deer, and The Lobster. Uh, but you wouldn't recognize him. No, I mean, the makeup department did a pretty good job. Uh, I know that there was like a meme going around where that one comedian, he's like in his 70s by now, but he kind of looked like Colin Farrell's prequel. Yeah. And everyone was like, wait a minute, why don't you just hire him? (laughs) (laughs) That's messed up. (laughs) (laughs) The makeup, the makeup team is actually up for an Oscar on this so yeah and then um special effects i think yeah special effects and then what was the other one sound no no cinematography though yeah it was kind of kind of sad i mean he is up uh greg frazier is up for the uh american society of cinematographer award Mm -hmm. um And the BAFA awards, the British Film uh, yeah. Awards, yeah. I mean, I think he should be there. Just as you guys will soon find out, like the the process for filming this and and all the thought that went into it, all the prep, like, and just the end result, the final result, it looks and feels like you know, I I could go as far as to say it feels like no other superhero movie in terms of its no. look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it certainly deserves some sort of like, you know, I, I feel like it is deserving of of recognition. But anyways, yeah. there were there were a lot of good looking movies. Twenty twenty two. I've seen some of the other ones and it's it's definitely a tough competition. So uh, do you know who is up for the cinematographer award for Oscar? Yeah, I've seen uh, All Quiet on the western front it's a it's a remake and it, mm-hmm. it looks spectacular i i didn't finish the movie because it was just so the material is 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 so heavy and when i sat down and watch it i wasn't quite expecting that but uh yeah i still got to finish that um yeah it says um that's up for the award bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths i have no idea but it's a Me- <laughs> mexican epic black comedy drama film so. yeah i saw it it's it's great it's i felt like it was for a specific audience i felt like i could relate to it a lot because of my background it's it's very similar to the to inaritus and so like there was a lot that i could you know I, so the cinematography was great also like i said it, it feels like a tough year for cinematography like it, a lot of movies did hit the ground like running like there's really amazing stuff in a lot of movies that came out in 2022 and i mean the batman does seem to have like a, a million little you know cool or or things that seem like haven't been done before you know like it, it definitely seems like all all the movies last year like came out strong with their cinematography so yeah there's also elvis and then tar and also empire light which is shot by yep i mean also (laughs) it's like come on you already won two oscars i think that's enough (laughs) exactly i mean yeah i get it yeah (laughs) 
but he's got to get three. He's got to get three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In terms of the backstory, Batman, of course, is a superhero created by artist Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger. Uh, he was debuted in the 27th issue of Detective Comics, now known as DC Comics, on March 30th, 1939. And the character has been adapted to a 1960s TV show and later on 11 films, <laughs> which is yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, with like so many people playing the character from Adam West, Michael Keaton, George Clooney, Val Kilmer. I think one time, like for a hot second, Nicolas Cage was up yeah. for the running, but <laughs> but that didn't happen. And then, of course, Christian Bale, and then Affleck. And we're gonna skip that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, hey, some people really like Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> And that I, and that is your opinion. That is, <laughs> I totally support you. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, the first cut of Justice League was definitely pretty awful. Like, I I feel like, and and it did not do any wonders for the character. I feel like, yeah, yeah. So, so and you know, speaking of Ben Affleck, uh, so in August 2013, Affleck was cast to play the character for multiple films set in the DC Extended Universe. By October 2014, Warner Brothers revealed plans for a standalone Batman film with Affleck playing the superhero. Affleck's role expanded to being director for the film in April of 2016 with Jeremy Irons playing Alfred and John Manganiello as Deathstroke. Uh, however, in January 2017, Affleck had to step down as director, citing that he was not able to get the script where he needed it and felt someone else may have a better ability to accomplish what needs to be done. Uh, multiple directors were considered as replacements for Affleck, including Matt Reeves, Ridley Scott, George Miller, and Denis Veneuve. Which is funny because we just talked about Dune. So yeah. due to being a longtime fan of Batman, Reeves was considered the best option and was in negotiations with Warner Brothers uh, shortly after the whole list came out of who may replace Affleck. However, Reeves noted that he did not feel Affleck's script and storyline was not what he wanted to make and Though he said that Affleck's choices were totally valid, he felt that that's not what he wanted to do. And I guess Ben wanted to have the storyline to be kind of about loss and trying to make the Batman be very vulnerable. Because I think it was like the loss of like a relative, like another relative or something like that. And it was going to have Deathstroke also be the one that killed that person. And he noted that he would join the production, Reeves, um, if he was given creative control. And after salary talks, uh, Reeves was signed on as director on February 23rd, 2017. And it was kind of funny because he was also doing the war 
for the planet of the apes and he was like oh i don't want to do it while i'm working on this so you guys have to wait <laughs> and like they waited they were like okay like that's fine yeah so they waited until later of 2017 and while reeves was beginning rewriting the script he was talking to ben affleck during the writing process but he took the reins and decided that he should have the batman be played by a younger actor mm -hmm. and by august of 2018 affleck had to go to rehab uh, for alcohol abuse and in January 2019, Warner Brothers set a 2021 release date while citing that Affleck would not return for the role. It's like a bunch of other things that happened because it was that. It was also the death of what what was the guy's name? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the guy mm -hmm. who directed uh, Jesse League. Oh, is Zack Snyder's uh, yeah. daughter? Yeah. yeah. So after also with that in play and then also with like what's going on with his personal life because i think he was also dealing with his divorce mm -hmm. that with everything happening he was like yeah i don't think i can do this role right now which is totally valid i mean it sucks that it, everything had to happen at that time but yeah yeah robert pattinson nicholas holt Arne, army hammer Aaron Taylor Johnson were on the short list to replace Affleck. And when Pattinson and Holt were in Burbank for the screen testing in April 2019, Pattinson wore Val Kilmer's uh, Batsuit for the test screen. And though it was a bit challenging because <laughs> the suit was a bit small for him and very difficult to move, he ended up getting the role in May 31st and for $3 million. Nice chunk of change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So I want to talk about the cinematography a little bit now. So Greg Frazier and Matt Reeves had worked before on Let Me In in 2010. It's a remake. And they both were eager to work with each other for a long time, but their schedules didn't line up until the Batman. Clearly, it was the right duo, both both of them were very excited and had a lot of ideas and brought a lot to the table, each separately. Mm -hmm. um, principal photography began in 2020 in London and wrapped in March 21st, 2021. And the second unit was actually shooting already in December in 2019. So this is a movie that, you know, Greg Fraser describes as being challenging in the sense that it it was probably the longest project, one of the longer projects he's worked on also because of COVID was going on at the, at the, at the time. So, you know, that just made everything challenging for everybody. So after a lot of testing, they decided ultimately they wanted to emulate like a 70s look of cinema. And Frazier even himself says that like cinematically storytelling, visual storytelling peaked in the 70s. And yeah. Although... <laughs> That's what he says, even though our, our technology might have not necessarily been in line with that. I think our technology is peaking now, right? So it's like, that's kind of like what they were going for was like kind of like the the feel of the lenses, the feel of the film grain at the time of the 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way they did it is that they offer themselves a lot of control over all those factors. So it's kind of like... Uh, almost a backwards way of doing it because it, back in the day you, you kind of had no choice you kind of had to guess like or you kind of had to like you know accept what the film came back as but 
But nowadays, you know, Greg Frazier wants to do the same look, but the way he does it is he shoots on digital. He shoots on Arial XLF cameras and on custom alpha and morphic lenses. But on the camera side, right, you get the best quality of image and the best resolution of image. So it's actually quite sharp and quite clean and pristine. But the lenses are where they kind of make up for this kind of more textured look because, you know, they went with detuned lenses that when they went with lenses that the rental house said were broken, basically. And they were like, oh, yeah, don't use those. And he was like, well, these are actually this is exactly what we want to use. Right. They're, they're lenses that all, almost only focus in the middle and all the other parts of the image, all the edges are totally like out of focus or or the bokeh looks different and streaky or interesting like that you know and so that's kind of like what they were going for and and it didn't stop there the the whole post-production process with the with the great with the film was uh pretty involved and i'm just gonna give a really dumbed down version of it because i don't really understand it fully but essentially they shot on digital uh-huh and, and they colored everything on digital made it look how they they knew their film process uh, would make it look like. So from the very beginning, they decided they would skip the beach, the bleach process on the film. So a lot of the silver, the, so they would copy the digital version onto the film version, but the film version they would skip the bleach process so that the silver on the on the actual film reacted even even in real time to the chemicals when it's being exposed, so that in the end result colors are even changing within the same image and 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 that was kind of part of what they were going for was to to have this organic feel something they themselves couldn't do but only the chemical process could do yeah to like even further this feeling of like oh this is film this is dirty this is whatever and they did all you know that was one of the things they did but they didn't want all of the effects of the beat of the bleach bypass so they they ended up like using the digital uh, you know, source to kind of bring in back some color because they would lose some color with that process. So anyways, like, you know, they gave themselves a lot of control to make an image that looks like it hasn't, you know, no control. It's all chaotic. So, you know, just on that alone, the technical feat to do that and and the prep, you know, the, the DIT said this was the most amount of prep he'd ever done for any film in terms of the amount of footage of, of testing that there was. Wow. You know, they they tested everything. They shot on location. They shot in the volume stages, you know, with the LED walls. So and it seems like Greg Frazier is a DP who combs through everything and, and wants to make sure he understands everything that's going on. So they test everything, basically. And, you know, that's why this film looks the way it does, because they they use so many techniques. They put uh you know, they put rain on the lens, like the actual rain. They let it hit the lens. They put filters on the camera to to have water droplets on the on the camera and all that stuff so you know basically the film really tries to convey batman's point of view which is this kind of like you know impaired vision almost uh, you know the whole movie is about this guy who's trying to figure out the best way to help society right and you know maybe it's not the best way his, his judgment is also clouded yeah uh, Yeah, because I also, I remember in a lot of, um, I think some of like the interviews that Greg Frazier and Matt Reeves did was the, one of the most challenged, 
watching parts was about lighting the scenes, especially because they wanted it to where it's like shot in nighttime and you get it's very dark, but then you don't want it to be too dark where you can't see. Um, so Like in Game particular, of Thrones. yes, exactly. That's um, that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, because I remember he said in particular Pattinson's bodysuit was the most difficult since Mm -hmm. it did not want, like, he didn't want shadows on it, but then Yep. he didn't want to obscure the costume's details. And it's a black suit. Like, it's kind Yeah. of hard to, like, it's not navy blue or, like, Yeah. jet black where it's, like, a hint of gray or a hint of blue. It's, like, black. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the worst. It's a nightmare for me too. When, when confronted with lighting a dark subject, you know, it dark subjects absorb so much light. Now add on top of that, that like the suit was reflective. So now you can see where the lights are coming from and you can almost see the exact, you know, shape of the light on the suit. It's just kind of, it requires a lot of diffusion for sure. A lot of, big sources so you don't so they don't look uh so they blend into whatever the texture of the suit is so it's like you know it's definitely a challenge to do that i'm sure they they did everything they could to keep him lit while the rest of the scene dark because that's the biggest challenge is when you pump in a lot of light then the scene becomes really high key um but yeah they had to be very careful not to make the scenes look too dark and unwatchable like Game of Thrones. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the work of a master. So, Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, besides, besides just the striking the right balance with darkness and light in the frames, they also use color a lot in the film for, to go along with the Nora aesthetic. You know, there's a lot of red in there, a lot of sodium vapor, Mm -hmm. some A lot teal, of green, some green to balance that red and orange. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, and you know, like it just feels like a comic book, you know, and, and that's that's the main key. I feel like that, you know, that's how you know them, they succeeded visually because the film is is a library of visual looks, and like you know, you, you're in a club with all these colored lights, and like it just looks and feels like a comic book. So, Yeah. you know, I think all of that helps and, and all that. Yeah, and I I mean it's really interesting how like what back in 2003 when like superhero movies were starting to be like a big thing um with Spider-Man it's very like I would say like it's comic book in terms of like the writing. I feel like it's very like you know, very 1940s, very like boom 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 boom. You know, but then this one, it's, I would say it's more like the modern version of comic Yeah. books today where it it's um that one guy that redeveloped Batman to where a lot of recent films have inspired that. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot Is it, that. his name's more? Is it the Dark Knight series or the Yeah, I think so. Yeah, did that guy write V for Vendetta too? I've But yeah, I've like, I do, rem <laughs> sorry, I do remember, Yeah. You're good. it's like so simple of a name, but yeah, anyway, it's, it, it's more of like that revamp of a comic book where it is like that darkness and then it also is 
very near noir because like this is again like it's kind of based off of like the 70s so as a result like you're getting a lot of like mystery and like um very uh complicated characters i would say like very yeah like the the hero is a troubled person right like they're kind of mad at the world and all that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah i think i think uh greg fraser and matt reeves did a good job um i think that you know you have like matt reeves who's a big fan so of course like you you know that at least like the story is going to be good because like they're trying to make sure that okay it's up to my level and then up to other fans level of like what it should be and then you also have greg fraser who you know it's just good in his own way and you can see how we have not now gone into his most recent projects and you can see like the difference between the batman compared to killing me softly or some of his younger uh projects but Mm -hmm. yeah pretty good uh so because this film is (laughs) a very long film I found out that it's 175 minutes and mm-hmm. on average uh films are about two hours. <laughs> Wait, is... you didn't you didn't know this was a three hour movie going into no, it? No, I, I knew it was a three hour movie going into it. I yeah. it like I tried so hard to you know finish it in one go, yeah. but it's I would say this one it's one of those that needs an intermission. <laughs> like, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I would say like my intermission would be after uh Falcone, like after his storyline ends. I feel like that should be like, okay, let's do like a 30 minute break, come back <laughs> and then finish it. Cause like it's just like another hour after that. And it's like, yeah. why? <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I I did feel the length of the movie towards the end. Like I did I remember I don't even wear a watch and I looked at my wrist because <laughs> I was like, yo, this is going on well it just just because it feels like most of the threads are tied up at that specific time you mentioned and but then there's still one thread that you mentioned which was uh the riddler you know it's like oh yeah he is he is also in this movie so let's let's just finish out that and it's it's it feels long for sure yeah i would say it's probably because there was a lot of like long shots where there's not a lot happening and it's like a slow pace so i think that kind of is why it's such like a long film but given that notes the summary is going to be as probably short as it can be Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah here we go so on Halloween nights, uh, Gotham City Mayor Don Mitchell Jr. is murdered by the Riddler, who is a well-known mask serial killer and reclusive billionaire, Bruce Wayne, who has operated for two years as a vig- vigilante Batman, uh, investigates the murder alongside Gotham City Police. And he is brought into the crime scene for the mayor by Lieutenant James Gordon after he discovers a message from the Riddler that is addressed to Batman. And Batman and Gordon discovered that the Riddler left a thumb drive 
and it's very on the nose because it's like the USB and it has like the mayor's thumb on it. In the thumb drive, they realized that it's a bunch of photos of Mitchell with a woman named Anika Kozolov at the Iceberg Lounge. And the Iceberg Lounge is a nightclub operated by Oz, the Penguin, who is crime boss uh, Carmen Falcone's lieutenant. And after a rough start, Batman meets Penguin because he kind of like goes into the nightclub. And then it's kind of that whole joke of like the first twin, like thing one uh, opens a door, closes (laughs) it, brings a second one. (laughs) And then a fight ensues. But then that's when we meet the Penguin and Penguin kind of pleads ignorance. He's like, oh, I don't know what this woman is like. I don't know. She she, maybe she fell or. (laughs) And while that's happening, we meet Selena Kyle, who, based on Batman's observation, may have known Annika. And he finds out that she is Selena's roommate. So. Bruce now in not a Batman costume, but he still has like the raccoon eyes still mm-hmm. on him. Uh, follows Selena back to her apartment, only to discover that she is yeah. the Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, he's like looking through binoculars, like from far away. It's, it's yeah, kind of creepy. I mean, honestly, I but I think the movie is trying to sh- show you that you know Batman does creepy shit too. You know. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he meets her, meets up with her at the mayor's house because she is trying to break into the vault, which contains a specific passport. And she tells Batman that she is taking the passport back to her friend in order for her to leave town. And when they return to the apartment, Annika is nowhere to be found and the apartment is in disarray. And while there, the Riddler reveals that he killed Commissioner Pete Savage and leaves another message for Batman. And kind of what the Riddler does is that he televises the murder scenes or like the beginning of the torture scenes and posts in a message before he actually kills the person. Either he posts it online or he sends it to the news corporations and then they post it live. So when Annika disappears, Batman sends Selena back into the iceberg lounge for answers and discovers that Savage was on Falcone's payroll and as is with district attorney Gil Coulson. And it's so weird because Gil Coulson is super creepy in this. So creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so creepy. Because when we meet him for the first time, he just walks up to Selena, who's like playing a waitress. He's like, hi, hi, how are you? Like he he like beeline to her and her mm. red wig. So yeah. it was like, OK, dude, like calm down. I feel like it's that's probably what a lot of people in high power, you know, feel like they, they feel entitled to just kind of like, you know, and that's the whole criticism of the movie is like, you know, it's criticizing that kind of elite eliteness but yeah i agree i mean i, I personally i i like how sh- creepy the character is and just like he's a good criticism of what we have now for sure so yeah 
and also like the actor's like pretty good it's peter yeah. peter sarsgaard he he did a lot of like villain movies and mm-hmm. vo- villain roles and he does a really good job when celine um kind of discovers that one of the women that are in this like group of like district attorney's office she finds out that that woman knows something about that happened with Annika and then as she tries to get more into the investigation about her friend the Batman is like oh you should go back to uh the district attorney and then she's like no I don't want to do that and then so she leaves and the Riddler then abducts uh, Coulson, who kind of followed her outside. And he then straps a time collar bomb to his neck and sends him to interrupt Mike Mitchell's funeral the next day. When Batman arrives at the funeral, uh, which has now been evacuated and <laughs> it's just kind of like him and Coulson, the Riddler calls him via Coulson's phone, which is attached to his wrist, and he threatens to detonate the bomb if Coulson cannot answer the Riddlers, the riddles that uh, he has. And the Batman kind of like helps him out a bit in terms of the riddles that the Riddler tells him because he was like oh it's it's a rat he wants to know the rat or like <laughs> it's like bribes bribes <laughs> yeah 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 no, uh, I, I love that whole kind of like cat and mouse part of the movie I, I think it's great <laughs> yeah at the end on the last question uh Coulson is supposed to name the informant or the rat who gave the Gotham Police Department information that led to that historic drug bust that ended Salvatore Moroni's operation and because of that he dies and explodes but it more like a fire explosion which isn't really realistic but you know (laughs) (laughs) so as a result batman gets knocked unconscious but then he's arrested and taken into custody and while there gordon is (laughs) like trying to help batman escape and it was so funny because, like, the chief of police, I believe, he, like, comes in and he's, like, the one with, like, the Brooklyn accent with yeah. the raspy voice. He's like, oh, what are you doing, Batman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you freak. Know. Yeah, it's like, you freak. Gordon was able to have everyone leave the room. And then he's like, okay, Batman, you can leave. But then Batman was like, well, I got to hit you because I can't just leave. <laughs> they would know yeah. what's up. So then he punches him in the face <laughs> and then runs. And you just have great. like a bunch of like ants of like policemen, like just like getting out and trying to follow him. And he, kind of jumps off of like the police building on like kind of like a hamster suit and like flies jumps off and flies away yeah Um, honestly that that was probably the most questionable shot of the whole movie for me that one shot that's like almost like the camp there's a gopro on batman's head and it's yeah pointed back at him yeah, that that was the only questionable <laughs> shot for me where I'm like, I don't know about that because it's like cutting off his head. And it's like, I I think the whole idea with it was to keep us in that subjective space with his character with Batman. But 
I don't know. I just was not a fan of that show. It was like too close and also cut him off like right above the eyebrow. It was just a weird composition for me. But Yeah, I mean, I knew, I know that they were talking about that they wanted to make the shots to be more, we are in his POV. So I guess Yeah. that might have explained why it's like they decided to rig up GoPro. But I do agree. I feel like that was a bit weird <laughs> Yeah. compared to like the other beautiful The rest. shots. And then you Huh? got them police department. Selena inadvertently exposes them when she arrives to steal the money in one of the cars, only to discover Annika's corpse in the trunk. And after a beautiful car chase, like it, it was pretty good. And I know that, sorry, like trying to not go off, but uh, I remember they were talking about how they use old like Ari cameras for the crash Yeah. scenes. And that Yeah, was pretty they cool. I think he said they went on, on like Craigslist or whatever. Like they went on some website, found the cheapest, oldest looking things they can find, and they yeah, they just it was like I remember him did we watch the same interview? He was like saying like he would get the reports back about how nobody was hurt and he'd be like, Great. But then they'd be like, and all the cameras are good too, and he'd be like, Damn it. He like he wanted one of the cameras to like be so close to the action that Yeah. there was destruction you know so did you watch that by the way everybody you should definitely check out the roger deakins and jane deakins interview with greg frazier on the batman that's a I haven't seen that particular one, but I, I guess like some of the articles that I read probably got it from that interview. But yeah, but yeah, I did remember that he he wanted to get as close to the scene and as close to the road and the cars in order to make it pretty unique. And he was willing to allow like the old cameras to break. And he was like, yeah, like I want it to break. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's privilege for you Yeah. After the car chase, Batman captures the penguin, but he and Gordon learn that the penguin is not the informant. Yeah. Falcone is not the informant. But before Lieutenant Gordon could even like say like, oh, Bruce Wayne is the next victim, Batman is gone and he's rushing to the mansion only to discover that Alfred is hospitalized after opening one of the letter bombs that was addressed to
leaks evidence that Thomas, who was running for mayor at the time before he was murdered with his wife, hired Falcone to kill a journalist who was writing a story about Martha's family history and mental illness. And Bruce confronts Falcone, who maintains that Thomas was killed by Salvatore Maloney instead of him. However, when he confronted Alfred, he was like, oh, you you knew about the murders. He was like, no, like your father didn't want Falcone to murder the journalist. He just wanted to almost threaten him then to kill him. And Thomas planned to turn himself in when he found out that Falcone killed the journalist. But when he was about to turn himself in, Alfred believes that Falcone might have killed both of them as a result to silence them too. So with all these like spider webs happening, mm-hmm. which is funny because this is not about spiders. It's about bats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good. When the bat signals turn on in this like abandoned building bruce heads over there as batman only to find out that gordon wasn't the one that flipped the switch and it's kind of funny because they kind of had this moment at the ground level where it's like didn't you turn on the light and then he was like i thought you turn off the on the light yeah. um but then when they get up to the top they find out that selena was the one that turned on the light and has one of falcone's men who works in the district attorney's office and selene reveals to batman and Fal- that falcone murdered both her mother and annika killing the latter because she found out that he was the informant selene goes to the iceberg lounge batman and gordon then follow her to try to prevent her from killing Falcone. And then during the scuffle with Falcone and Selena, Falcone tries to kill Selena, but then he gets taken over and Gordon and Batman <laughs> you know, save Selena. Yeah. And it's also like an, another interesting shot because as Batman is trying to get into Falcone's office, there's that one scene in the hallway where it's completely dark and all you like all the lighting is from the shots fired from the guns and yeah it was pretty pretty good pretty you like that part yeah yeah i really like that part nice i've heard my like my friend's mom say it was too dark or whatever but you know it's a friend's mom so (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean it looks it looks so great yeah they they did that all practically at first Matt the director thought they would have to shoot that in CG and the Batman would have to be CG but Robert was like no I got this and they because obviously Robert can't see what he's doing you know he's totally blinded but they worked it out with the stunt team and it was mostly all practical yeah probably it was like a lot of maybe coordination being like okay if you take two steps forward do this or you know if you then two steps this way, then two, th- you know, probably might have yeah. been that. Yeah. So, yeah, once they finally arrest Falcone and then they take him outside to be like, yes, like, you know, the police department is against you now. Uh, he is then shot uh, dead <laughs> by the mm-hmm. Riddler, whose apartment was kind of right next to uh, the building. <laughs> it's like right across from it. Mm-hmm. So, the Riddler is revealed to be this forensic accountant 
Edward Nashton is incarcerated in Arkham State Hospital, where he tells Batman that he took inspiration from him when he went targeting the corrupt. This is where the movie should have ended, pretty much, right around here, a little bit before this. Yeah. So Batman then learns that Nashton has planted car bombs around Gotham and cultivated an online following, uh, kind of similar to a particular event that happened in 2021, uh, which is funny because uh, in terms of the script, this whole story plot happened before the insurrection. So mm-hmm. when the insurrection happened, Matt Reese was going to take it out. But then I think in the end decided to keep it because he felt that it was separate enough to where it's not totally inspired by it or copy to copy. The Riddler was able to create a cult following to plan to assassinate the mayor-elect Bella Riel. The bombs were supposed to break down the seawall around gotham basically to flood the city because it's on like below sea level so if the seawall goes and everyone's gonna die because like there's no higher ground except buildings but i guess the riddler didn't think of that but uh certainly not uh so yeah some of the bombs destroyed the seawall around gotham and began flooding the city and his followers attempt to kill real but batman and selena managed to stop them in this aftermath nashton befriends another inmate that we don't see but there is a deleted scene where you kind of see him and it's kind of hinted this may be the next villain <laughs> So while that's happening, Selena deems Gotham is beyond saving and decides to leave. And she tries to bring Batman along, but then Batman is like, no, like the people need me. So then he heads to the city, back to the city, (laughs) to aid recovery efforts and vows to inspire hope in Gotham. And that's that's the end of the 175 minute film. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my question to you, because I always struggle like pinning down what a movie's about, but this one for me was kind of like I don't know. I'm just interested to see what your takeaway was, because like for me, it's you know, it kind of does show like this Batman figure. Like if there were real life Batman, like it would be a controversial figure, because you know, visually they compare Riddler to Batman, like the way they they stalk their you know you know they they're they both have scenes where they're like looking at someone through through a building right like from far away so it's like it kind of draws comparisons between the two so it's just interesting to me like to think that matt reeves is acknowledging this very real problem that's unfolding like real time too with like this kind of like home home brewed uh terrorism sort of thing going on and then like how do you deal with that and you know I guess the movie is almost saying it's like an anti-Batman movie philosophically because it's like, you know, well, a figure like Batman is not is not a good thing in reality because it's inspiring all these crazies to like take action into their own hands. So it's like it's just an interesting philosophical movie that I, I feel like I'm not sure where where I like I guess that's what it's trying to say. It's like Batman as a as a 
character, like maybe not the best idea, but the whole movie is about him. So it's like, you know, it's almost like the movie's arguing against the existence of Batman in a way. But but I guess obviously not at the end because he, he decides to, to stay and be Batman. So I guess, you know, it that kind of leaves me at like, okay, so... You know, you just have to have good intentions. <laughs> <laughs> but... Well, I feel like with this Batman, it's different because, like you said, it is this whole anti-Batman. Because it's not like the other Batman films where it kind of made Batman be like, oh, like, he's like Yeah. the only hope. Like, <laughs> you know, we need Yeah. him. This was a lot different. This was kind of... Like you have, and it, I guess it's also kind of like that whole controversy about the Batman creator, like the, his like backstory, because this is like a, this is basically like a rich guy that's fighting crime, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess because of that, it kind of plays into this role where it's almost like that whole uh, trickle down theory that, oh, if we have like rich people, if they, you know, don't Mm pay -hmm. as much taxes and they could help the poor but then that we we now know that that doesn't exist Yeah. Right. so it's i guess it's almost like that where it's like oh like you know this guy's rich he's able to do it because he's a you know he's a philanthropist now like he doesn't need to go to like a nine-to-five job um but At the same time, it's kind of that whole, like, okay, like, is this going to be a good guy? Like, how do we know that he's not going to be corrupt himself? Yeah. And I guess it also kind of goes in line with the whole police activity that we've encountered, where it's like some people may be like, yeah, like, you know, I think that we should still have cops, but then other people be like, well, like, Mm -hmm. recently they haven't been the greatest you know so i guess it's kind of that almost that whole question about who can we trust who can we rely on when situations like it like in home terrorism that occurs um Right. but yeah <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think at the, at the end of the movie, it's just like, yeah, it's it's a reflection of what like what's going on now in real life, which is cool. I guess it just leaves it up to us to kind of just ponder on the complicated nature of our society. So, Yeah. yeah, I I enjoyed the movie a lot. It's a it's a great watch. I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Because I also feel like that it's interesting because the other Batman films, they always have him be like, oh, yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne. Like, I go to these fancy parties, you know, or charity events because I, I have nothing else to do in my life. But this one, it, it was more of just. Bruce Wayne just being Batman like it you did Yeah. see like his personal side but it was more of like his relationship with Alfred Yeah. or the fact that he probably doesn't have any friends you know Yeah. but He's yeah in the suit like 90% of the time, which honestly I was like kind of vibing with. I was like, this is different. You start off the movie and you're like an hour in, and you're like, wow, it's all been Batman. Like it's ba basically like there's like very little Bruce Wayne in this. Mm I hmm thought yeah that was cool i i i like that i didn't mind that yeah yeah
So let's talk about the shots that we like. Do you want to start first? I have a couple, but I mean, it's so it's almost hard to pick because I feel like every shot in this movie is so meticulously thought out, and and every shot has something intriguing with it. But for me, I especially like, uh, I mean, the car chase. Obviously, there's the upside down shot where you've got fire, water. wind you know all the elements you're upside down you're looking through a window the water's reflecting the light of the fire the yeah the shot's upside down like it's silhouetted like it has everything it, it's so it's such a dope shot like visually there's so much going on there and you know it's all practical too uh i heard i saw they They did. They did the shot in a runway, like a Mm -hmm. airport, Oh, airport oh, runway. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's you look at the shot. It's actually very dark, except for the street lights. But those were all installed on the runway. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like pretty balanced because you have the bottom to, you know, basically be the dark, but then it, it's almost kind of like a little like a shadow, you know, um, what do you call it? Those like little like um, edges or if Like that makes a, sense. like a vignette type Yeah, of thing. a vignette. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like you, you have the kind of like the black outline around it. And then Yeah. it's balanced because, you know, both the top and the bottom are pretty lit. And then it's Yeah. like spread. You got like the lines, like the horizontal. And then <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so so much much. is happening. There's foreground, the foreground. Yeah, it's like insane. You know, you could pick out any one of these shots and talk about it for like, <laughs> there's also the shot of the Riddler in the bar where it's the wide, it's the exterior and you're looking through the window and you, you see him in there. And like, right. That's, that's a callback to a famous painting that I don't know oh, the name Night of. Nighthawks by Edward Hop Hopper. I, I don't know the name of it, but yeah, it's that one where there's a guy like a coffee shop, right? So Yeah. there's Yeah. a lot of artistic callbacks. And, you know, again, you have a reflective ground, you have color, you have just a little stairwell light on the right there. It's everything is like so balanced and um, picturesque. It, it's just really, really beautifully made to look i don't know it's just like so balanced like in terms of the aesthetic of it but also making it feel real Mm so hmm. Yeah. I also like the um, kind of like the close ups of the faces. So uh, one example like that a lot of people probably saw was that one where he takes off the mask and then he's kind of like disheveled and he still has like the remaining of his um, eyeshadow. Uh, Something <laughs> like. in the way, and that song's playing in the background, and so, <laughs> or yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just really like the close-ups of the shot of like the faces because it, it's it's funny because they, you know, it's just Batman in a mask, where you know Bruce Wayne with disheveled hair. But I feel like the the way it's like position, like it doesn't cut it off too much. It's like just enough to where you could kind of like 
yeah. feel his, you know, what he's feeling. Yeah. And then, of course, I really love the subway scene where, you know, we, we see the shot of like the group of uh, gang members mm-hmm. turning and then they hear like the thumping, you know, of his feet. And, you know, right before we encounter Batman for the first time, I feel like that's a a really good shot. You still have it like pretty dark, but it's not too dark to where you don't see the details of the faces. And you could pick it up probably because of the makeup and then also maybe like soft lighting on top with diffusion or it's it's really good. And then in, in this shot that I had, you could see like the lines in the background so it kind of balances out the whiteness mm-hmm. aside from that gopro <laughs> squirrel i know jump, yeah <laughs> it's a really good really good uh cinematography and it oh, sucks yeah. that you know he didn't get nominated again but you know hey like he was probably competing with a lot of other really great films so yeah you know, you can only put five in, which is funny because they have 10 for best picture. So I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's insane. No, yeah, I think uh, one more shot that I'm thinking of is it, it's uh, when he's like, it, I think Greg Frazier, you know, to kind of like his close ups are great. But I also love his wides. Like, I think his wides are so sick. I feel like they show off the space in the coolest way possible, but they also always like make the characters feel small. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking of like wides I've seen him do in like Lion and other movies where it's like, it's just uh, really emotive. You know, you know, he makes a wide shot look emotive, which is, I feel like in yeah. a way kind of hard because it's like, you're so far away from a human face. But there's a it's it's of the back cave and it's just like the ge- the geography of the space like it's like a curved ceiling and then the practical lights like the cool temperature coming off of those lights like mm-hmm. you know and Batman's Bruce is almost like silhouetted and it's like it's it's just uh, I don't know just taking the opportunity as a DP I feel like to take a wide and really show off like the skills and talents of everyone on your team on, on the productions team like i think that's just like badass so i appreciate anytime the dp can pull back that wide and be like yeah this is this is all the work hard work we've put into this shown in full display you know so. yeah we shall also mention that you know he does a really great job with uh fluorescent lightings because yeah. you know even though like this film in particular has a lot more of like party lights a lot more of reds and greens and then oranges it still has like that whole fluorescent lighting that we always see in all of his past films and he still does a really great job exactly yeah i mean i forget the i did he i forget it was him or the dat who said this was like the most expensive experiment experimentation film ever like experimental film. <laughs> which in a way like i get it like yeah like it's a it's a big budget you know grade a movie but it's the people working on it are approaching it in such a almost guerrilla way in 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 some cases you know like or at least like they're going back to 70s filmmaking so it's it's pretty 
pretty awesome. So, which is interesting because it's like now that technology has improved, they could still do like the 70s vibe, but then still improve it even more because they have, yeah, it was a two million dollar budget. So, if you add marketing, probably was another million, like another 200. So four four hundred million, but yeah. the box office was seven hundred and seventy million. So I mean, they yeah they got back a good amount. So that's a, that seems like a lot for a movie, but obviously, yeah, I mean that sounds really expensive too. But that's that's right on par. I feel like with most big budget Hollywood movies, super yeah, movies. especially for like. Uh, superhero movies i feel yeah. like if it's more like a indie film i feel like maybe like a million to 10 million is oh i've worked on some some very no but work. i meant like uh, <laughs> studio level like indie films um, like i yeah. mean there's there's our indie films that like could barely get ten thousand. <laughs> right uh right <laughs> but <laughs> do you have any other like notes or anything that you wanted to talk about i think we i think we covered a lot of ground i think we talked philosophy we talked uh (laughs) (laughs) life i feel like like this was a good convo on on a great movie that i enjoy watching i mean i've seen it three times now so it's it's definitely you know it's a three-hour movie so (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's that's saying a lot i i enjoyed a lot mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i agree i feel like i feel this is like a a good movie for people to kind of take notes on both as cinematographers or maybe even as directors yeah. um maybe even writers too that is it hopefully do we have any more great fraser movies that we <laughs> haven't done yeah i'm pretty sure uh i mean we haven't seen let me in which is oh yeah their first one matt reeves and rick frazier um but you know i know there's a long list and we could we could find a, a movie for next time yeah he did uh he also did zero dog 30 uh right. snow white and the hunts huntsman and vice oh, wow. so we still got oh. we still got a good um <laughs> yeah okay okay i'm feeling i'm feeling vice i I remember when it came out, I wanted to see it, and I never, and I, I never got to it. But yeah, uh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, okay, for okay. the next one. We're okay. going to get political. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll try our best not to be too political, but uh, it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is okay. it for this episode. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at J A N D M underscore podcast. Oscar, did you want to do any plugins? Yeah. Mine is O J E S S one five. So yeah, yeah follow me. <laughs> yeah, he's a really great for- cinematographer. I mean, not gonna lie, I did work with him. He's really great and he's also a great person. So <laughs> oh thank you, Jeanette. Oh yeah. I love I love doing these talks with you. I feel like it's a nice way to catch up too. So Oh yeah, even though we saw each other like two weeks ago. Like <laughs> I know. But that's also rare that we hang out yeah. in person. But 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is rare. But yeah, if you like this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you rate um things. Maybe on Yelp. I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> five stars. Uh, but- <laughs> Alec, <laughs> I know you're watching this, Alec. You better give us five stars. Yeah. Also, we have this like friend that keeps. It, it kind of seems like he wants to be part of this podcast too. <laughs> so maybe, maybe in the future, maybe he'll like jump in on his own thing, or maybe just you know hop skip with us too. Yeah. <laughs> He's a yapper. He can yap about all the movies. He knows. All, he he watches so many movies. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But. Yeah, thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Oscar. And hope you guys come back next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.